While most horror franchises wait until movie 5 or 6 to go completely off the rails, Exorcist 2 decided that the rails never existed, and that the film simply floats on magic stardust as it takes us to Valhalla. Let's talk about a movie that has more in common with the X-Men than it does The Exorcist. Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight. I am Pierre and joining me as always is Tim. Mm, how do you do? <laughs> how do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you heretic. This is a <laughs> horror movie podcast. We talk about horror films here. It's really quite that simple. And we are working through the Exorcist movies this year because there's a new one coming out. Uh, well, allegedly. Uh, this October. <laughs> so, unfortunately, since we've already done the original, we now have to do Exorcist 2, The Heretic, <laughs> which uh, is one of the most infamously, like, hated sequels of all time. <laughs> like, this thing is... is it's like the butt of all jokes. It's something that comes up whenever people are talking about just like trash sequels and uh, just dropping the ball hard, things like that. So we're going to get into it. We'll start spoiler free if you care <laughs> and we'll, <laughs> we'll get into it. Uh, I had seen this once before many years ago. I assume you saw it before as well. Um, Maybe once, uh, once or twice. Hmm. But I was not looking forward to it. It's not a go, not a go to no, favorite. I, I remembered just being like painfully bored and like not like mm. having a hard time paying attention to it and just not really making much sense of it. And mm. watching it for the show, it was kind of. I I think I rewound this. Oh yeah, but it, yeah, it was. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? <laughs> Liber liberating? No, definitely not that. <laughs> it was definitely not liberating. <laughs> Um, no, I, I had to rewind it like constantly because like, I, I felt like, wait, did I was I paying attention for that last you're minute? You're watching the VHS, right? No, I'm not watching. <laughs> but you can say rewind even when it's not a VHS tape. Tim, it just means going back. Okay, but I had to go back constantly because I kept like, oh, was I paying attention for that last minute? Mm. Wait, did that weird thing that I thought just happened happened? <laughs> like oh why are we all of a sudden in africa why <laughs> is this like from the point of view of a locust like what is going on what, what, why is there a weird synchronized hypnotized machine <laughs> why, why is this like hospital for for children look like it's like a weird science fiction prison why <laughs> like there's so many questions and i thought none of it makes sense and so mm -hmm. i mean yeah, the movie's garbage. Like it's, it, <laughs> it, it somehow does two things that typically don't go together. It's mm -hmm. batshit insane, which normally will at least be somewhat entertaining for being crazy, and there's like you know interesting things to talk about, and there's still interesting mm -hmm. things to talk about from a discussion point of view. But it's batshit mm -hmm. insane whilst being painfully boring the entire time. No, I, I agree. Um, I don't know. <laughs> If this is maybe a little odd to say, but like, I kind I like I I really want to like this movie because it is so like weird and different and not what you would think of a sequel. That like, part of me does want to, you know, kind of embrace that. You know, they're not just doing the typical sequel thing, which would just be like, oh, she's possessed again. Let's get in another priest. You know, like I mean, you know, there's 
possessions and exorcisms and stuff but then and there's, there's definitely so many... another priest as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um there's so much other weird stuff going on that like you know the, like i almost want to applaud it for being so strange and different but like you said like even though it's so crazy it just it doesn't work and it's just not enjoyable to watch and yeah i mean the the worst you know something can be is just like excruciatingly boring which yeah that's unfortunately what this is like it's nearly nearly two hours and uh i mean it feels like it's three like it's it's a chore to get through i had to go back to recheck moments so often that it probably was close to three hours for my view <laughs> yeah. yeah i was just gonna when we watched the uh did the first one i just watched it on hbo because i was like too lazy to you know go get my blu-rays and put them in um so i was like all right i'll just load up hbo again and uh it wasn't on there when <laughs> it's like makes sense like it feels like you know no like even though you know it's a uh, part of the series and stuff it's like you know no one is looking for it <laughs> no one's gonna watch it yeah, why would Warner Brothers have all their movies on their streaming service? What sort of yeah. <laughs> nonsensical idea, what crazy idea that would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the premise of Exorcist 2 is that even though it's been like four years, five years since the first movie, mm-hmm. uh, another priest has been tasked with investigating the death of Father Merrin from the first one mm-hmm. and goes to see Reagan, whose mother is just not here, presumably because the actress wasn't coming back for whatever reason. <laughs> Uh, so Reagan's staying with her like nanny from the first movie in New York, but she spends a lot of time at this uh, experimental children's <laughs> hospital, which has the craziest set designed for for what it's mm. supposed to be. Uh, I also imagine it's like a painted shoot because I, I'm like I bet they had to be so careful not to get reflections of like the crew and stuff constantly mm. on the shot because. It's all glass. It's just glass everywhere. It's all these glass octagon rooms just <laughs> all over the place. It's so weird. But he he comes to see her, and through events that we'll describe in depth later, uh, basically feels like he has to find out how to completely get rid of Pazuzu from her, the the you know the demon from from the first movie, because it's still attached to her even like. You know, so we're just going to pretend at the end of the first movie accomplished nothing, basically. <laughs> yeah. And it sets him on a trip to Africa at one point to get to uh, James Earl Jones. Um, it adds a lot of crazy mythology stuff, which could sound, which is probably going to sound interesting when we just say it out loud, but it's so painfully dull in the movie. And all of it... That's what, yeah, uh, that's what's always like so strange about it, where there's a lot of ideas in here that if you just explain it to him, it's like, okay, yeah, I can... <laughs> Like, that sounds interesting to me. I kind of want to see this movie. But then, yeah, just the act of watching it is uh, yeah, not, not, not good. And it's... I mean, I, like, I, I kind of agree with that to an extent, but I, I also feel like I don't necessarily think it fits the sequel to an Exorcist movie, just because The sure. Exorcist is such a highbrow horror movie and that it's taken itself very seriously and kind of partly why it works the way it does is because it doesn't, you know, it tries to keep things very grounded and it's like, okay, a real character's being possessed kind of thing. Whereas all the stuff this movie introduces, it's like, this is an schlocky nonsense territory. Um, I was reading it on the Wikipedia, actually, but this is probably a good time to whip out this quote. Um, so apparently, when it premiered in New York, uh, William Peter Blatty, who wrote the, the book in the first movie, um, was the first one to start laughing at it <laughs> at the premiere. 
and uh, apparently a lot of people laughed at it. But what I really wanted to read out was some quotes here that are in the Wikipedia from William Friedkin, the director of the first movie. So, apparently he saw half an hour of the film, <laughs> and this is stuff that he said about it. I was at a Technicolor, uh, and a guy said, we've got a, a new print of Exorcist 2, do you want to have a look at it? And I looked at half an hour and thought it was as bad as seeing a traffic accident in the street. It was horrible. <laughs> it's just a stupid mess, but made by a dumb guy. John Berman by name. Somebody who should not who should be nameless, uh, but in this case should be named. Scurrilous, a horrible picture. And then later he said that uh, the sequel diminished the value of the original and called it the worst piece of crap I've ever seen and a freaking disgrace. And he then added, well. the film was made by a demented mind. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny is I looked up the director of this one, John Berman, because I, I, I thought I recognized the name, and he directed Deliverance. So it's not like he's not made oh. movies that are respected. <laughs> you know, he's made stuff that is critically acclaimed. So, yeah, yeah, he just, he, he made this weird Exorcist sequel. Not that he wrote <laughs> the script by any means. Um, sure. Yeah, and then... Yeah, who knows, like, how many people had their hands in it. You know, it's a group effort to make <laughs> something that bad. Yeah, absolutely. I I, was, I saw something in the Wikipedia. Of the, I mean, I don't know if this... I'm assuming this is maybe, you know, <laughs> not completely accurate, but uh, if it is, it's very funny. <laughs> but they're saying that, like, at one of the showings, like, people started chasing Warner Brothers executives down the street or something <laughs> like that. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I better know about that, but <laughs> the... I mean, I don't even know like how you would know <laughs> the like who they are, but it would have to be like... like some sort of official premiere or something where you'd like yeah. it's clear <laughs> who's involved with the film and whatnot. <laughs> Baffling, I... but you know, one of the things that Friedkin said in those quotes there that I, I kind of agree with is that it does kind of ruin the mystique of the first film. So obviously, sure. you would just ignore this going forward and just don't think about it, but. Yeah. Like, if you're watching this movie, like, everything it tries to tack on, like, it's that thing where you try to over-explain stuff like this, like, a lot of the mystique of the demon and the exorcist is that it is, you know, I mean, we were calling it Pazuzu because that just kind of became, like, a thing because of the sequels, but, you yeah. know, it works better when you don't know it's got a name, when it's just, you know, as soon as you name it Pazuzu, it's like, well, it's Pazuzu. Like, that's mm -hmm. not scary. There's nothing creepy about something named Pazuzu. Yeah, because I, I think when we did the first one, we were like, we were trying to remember, like, oh, do they even mention Pazuzu in, in this one? Like, oh, I don't know. But then, yeah, I feel like, you know, uh, like 30 minutes into this one, they've said Pazuzu like 20 times. Like, oh, they <laughs> chant it at one point. There's, uh, oh, we need to talk to Pazuzu. Pazuzu's insider. Pazuzu's doing this. Pazuzu's doing that. Uh, do the hokey cokey and Pazuzu all about <laughs> yeah they never shut up about Pazuzu uh, so you've you've got that going on uh, you, you've got like our new lead uh, priest um, Father Lamont, Lamont. Who, played by Richard Burton who honestly is this super intense character right from the get go uh, he always is, speaks like the world's about to end which I actually think the biggest problem with this movie is that there's actually nothing that there's there's so he's tasked with investigating the the death of Father Marin, which feels a bit late to do that now, you know, four or five years later. Sure. But you know, whatever. Um, and part of it, and this could be interesting if they explored this a bit more. But part of the reason why is because 
his writings talked about exorcisms and the devil and all that stuff and mm-hmm. the church are trying to like sort of get away from the idea that a devil exists that satan exists <laughs> for the public so they want to try and dispel anything he ever said Lamont goes in to investigate, and of course, he actually ends up believing it all. And they also mentioned that Lamont's done exorcisms, and we'll get to like, the, the <laughs> opening scene when we get to spoilers with him. Mm-hmm. But like, the first movie made it sound like, oh, like there's like one priest that knows how to do exorcisms because no, more, most priests don't even know they they're possible and don't believe they exist. And well, it wasn't called exorcists. Exactly. Yeah, it was the exorcist. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> aliens hadn't come out yet, so they didn't know that they could, yeah. you know, make bank for just calling this exorcists. Exactly. Even though technically there is two in the first movie, but only one's experienced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's worth mentioning. <laughs> uh, but, like, there's no... There's no threat in the movie. Like... Mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds strange, but, like, everything that, that he does in this movie to try and, like, sort of take Pazuzu out of Reagan is all just based on the idea that he thinks that it's still in there. And he can't, obviously he kind of proves it at a certain point, but like mm. it's not doing anything. Nothing bad's happening to Reagan. There's no like immediate mm. threat that something bad's going to happen to the world. There's no there's no th- there's no real threat. Like he he almost kind of like makes it the th- threat himself and like I, like I don't know, it's so weird. There's no inciting incident that makes us go, "Oh, like he he has to like we have to stop this we have to save her and he immediately starts saying i have to save that girl i have to save reagan no matter the cost and i'm like she's smiling and happy in fact <laughs> linda blair you know if i can critique her performance here for a little minute even later on in the film it feels like she's too smiley and happy all the time uh, mm-hmm. she literally has a moment in this movie where she says to a little girl oh i was possessed by a demon oh it's okay he's gone now <laughs> that's a legitimate line in this movie and she's smiling like she's in a like toothpaste commercial when she says it <laughs> so I, I i i am gobsmacked by a lot of this movie i think i understand the broad strokes of it but some of it's really weird and it, it makes some really odd choices with how it shows scenes. There's, there's transitions between things. There's scenes that might be hallucinations that kind of become real scenes. There's just a lot of weird things in it and a lot of weird choices. <laughs> Needless to say, I cannot recommend it. And the whole thing is kind of a blurry mess. And I finished watching it right before we started recording, which is good because tomorrow I will not remember a freaking thing about this entire movie it will all just go into the night well not until i hook you up to my you know brain synchronizer machine god this was so sh- yeah they've got they've got a device it's like a dual hypnosis device but it basically like the first time they use it like the therapist lady gets trapped in reagan's mind that's in the first like 20 minutes of the movie <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Why did they make these choices? Just, did they not understand what made the first film work? Or even what type of movie the first film was? Because this feels like it's some sort of weird hypnotic art house fantasy drama. That's like what it, it feels like. Um, yeah, like someone that worked on the <clears throat> script or something like had some like new age like you know uh like a therapy or something that they really wanted to include in it like it feels like very like forced and like 
know, some kind of quack science that like someone used to do in the seventies, but like no one does anymore. I'm I'm just looking right now to see, uh, yeah. So yeah, there was a guy who wrote the screenplay for the second movie, um, and it it takes influences from things, but it's not based on anything because you because obviously <laughs> when we get to the third movie, William Peter Blatty actually came in and wrote and directed mm-hmm. that, and that was kind of like an interesting thing that the writer of the original book and movie was then making this sequel that obviously is going to ignore this one because yeah. <laughs> no one wanted to continue this one. No one cared. So, but I was just curious to see if this was technically based on some sort of book sequel or something, and it isn't. It's just a, it's just a developed screenplay for the movie. Yeah, it's kind of weird because obviously you get Max von Sydow back. He's like in flashbacks, and it sort of tries to develop some of his backstory, some of which I think diminished the first movie because it tries to set up that he already like faced Pazuzu when he was younger and I like I'm like that just I don't know that just makes it all feel a bit cheaper that's that thing that comic books do all the time where they insert characters into the backstory of like the main character like how many people show up that somehow Batman knew before he started being Batman like (laughs) like it just happens so all so often I just one of the the worst offenders of that was when uh, Marvel got the Star Wars license and they were like you know, started making all these like, you know, official Star Wars comics that are like in canon, but they would do all this stuff like it'd be between movies, but they would have like all these like battles with Darth Vader and you had like, you know, Darth Vader like realizing Luke was like his son like way before like Empire and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is like so annoying. Like you're just, yeah, diminishing like all the, you know, important, you know, important like battles and gravitas of, of like when these characters meet because they've done it like 50 times. Like, at that point, you're just making like a, you know, like a Saturday morning cartoon show where like, yeah. you know, every week they fight the villain and then they win and then oh, we'll see you next week, though. Like, it's so dumb. Yeah, at a certain point, it's like, they're telling you it's like canon and it's official, but it's like, no, nah, this is just fan fiction. It doesn't count. <laughs> like, yeah. when you're watching the movies, you're never going to think of any of that as actually happening between the movies. Uh, yeah. And, and if you did, it would just diminish everything that's in the movies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so honestly i don't know what more i want to say without spoilers i want to just get into this and talk about it's bad <laughs> the insanity yeah it, it's it's and a word is shit <laughs> it's, I guess if i was gonna give like the mild <coughs> like the mildest mildest compliment like i don't know i, I guess there's like a few um <coughs> maybe like weird i don't even really know how to describe it like i don't know like every now and again there'd be like maybe like a, a weird like shot or something that i was like mm, that looks kind of cool but like you know again it's it's very <laughs> very few <laughs> and you know in between just long, long bouts of nothing cool happening yeah so the opening scene spoilers just in case that wasn't clear mm-hmm. spoilers from the henceforth the opening scene of this movie i thought was like a dream sequence because of how it looked um <laughs> and it's the it's father lamont our main character and this seems to be him trying to do an exorcism somewhere in Latin America, and all these people are chanting, and there's this woman who's clearly the, the possessed character in the scene. Uh, but she gets set in fire, and because of the effect they chose to do when she's on fire, I thought, this, oh, this is, this is like a nightmare because it looks too weird and, like, fake or something. You know, like, it, mm-hmm. it didn't look like a real person on fire. It looked like some sort of weird artistic touch. Um, mm-hmm. but th- then it just kind of skips ahead and it's like oh no I guess that just happened that- <laughs> right away it's like okay this doesn't have the uh, 
the restraint, I suppose, that the first one did. Mm-hmm. It's doing wackier things already. Um, I tweeted out, I'm four minutes in and I'm already confused. And <laughs> I was. I was already confused by this. But uh, we're introduced to Reagan at this weird medical therapy facility. Can you wrap your head around the set design of this? No. <laughs> it looks like... Yeah, the best thing I can say is it looks like a prison from like a sci-fi movie, or maybe like... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess the closest thing I can compare it to is maybe like uh, in Westworld, like the where they like work on the hosts. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't watch Westworld, so... Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but like, it's all these hexagonal or octagonal rooms that are all just made of glass, and it's just nothing. And they've got like fancy lighting where they can kind of like dim the lighting so that like mm-hmm. it it's it's like they're surrounded by darkness when they're not really and then they can turn the lights back up and it's like you know but they're obviously not turning the lights off in all these other places and in, in the that's open space it's like a, such a weird design and reagan's like helping but she's also kind of in therapy here uh it's it's a little bit unclear exactly like what she does with her time to be honest it doesn't really get into it maybe like she's drawn to it because she's like a a natural healer or whatever oh we're getting to don't worry we're getting, we're getting to that um and so so father Marin or not Marin, sorry father lamont Marin's the dead one mm-hmm. father lamont comes to see everyone and our other main character in the film is dr tuscan who is reagan's mm-hmm. therapist and she wants to try something with reagan with this fancy two-way hypnosis machine thingamajig and she's going to be trying it the same day that lamont's there so Lamont sort of sits in. She doesn't really want him around at first, but then she sort of agrees. And Reagan, as far as we know right now, does not remember any of the events of the first movie, right? And that was what she said at the end of the first movie as well. She didn't remember any of it. So she hooks her up to this hypnosis thing, and then the therapist... Well, if, if she doesn't re- remember anything, she should... Uh, she should watch the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that sounded funnier in your head, Tim. <laughs> That's effectively what happens in the sense that the therapist hooks up to her and watches the first movie inside Reagan's head. Um, we don't see any of this, though. Later on, we do get, like, visuals, but right at this part, all, all we're seeing is the lights and this hypnosis thing flashing and, like, Lamont standing there. And for reasons I cannot fathom, after a few minutes, Reagan kind of wakes up, but... Uh, Dr. Tuscan's like in a trance and it's like she's trapped in whatever like part of Reagan's mind she was in like you know because they're talking about the, the room she was in as a kid uh, when she was possessed and for some reason the assistant says oh like you know you're going to have to go back in Reagan and like try and get her out and immediately for no reason that I can fathom Father Lamont grabs this weird you know headset thing that they're putting on for this and says <laughs> I'll do it. I know where she is. And then within five seconds of saying, I'll do it, I know where she is, he then adds on, okay, show me how to find her. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) You don't... (laughs) You can't know where she is, but also need to know how to find... Like, those two things are are, are contradictory statements, father. He's a bit cocky. (laughs) But I don't even understand why he's stepping in. Why would he think he knows how, what he can, how to do this? This is like newfangled hypnosis tech. 
Which he seems very like impressed by. He he's like telling Doctor Tuscan a couple of scenes time that what she's doing is going to save the world, and this is important research that's going to mm-hmm. you know save humanity and some shit. Yeah, he he's got it going on with the the Lord and everything. So it's pretty good of technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he sees like visions of like possessed Reagan, and he sees like visions of like uh, Pazuzu's hand around like. Uh, Father Merrin's heart, which is kind of like, it's also around Doctor Tuscan's heart because the, the images are kind of mm-hmm. blurring together, kind of thing. Uh, it's like superimposed over the top. Um, I actually thought this looked pretty cool. I kind of like this. I mean, in a vacuum, I guess, mm-hmm. but it, it's kind of like I don't think it really belongs as a sequel to The Exorcist. It feels too. Well, no, yeah. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want this as like the, the. Yeah, that has, like, the storyline or whatever for an Exorcist sequel, but I just mean, in terms of watching the movie, like, I thought it was, like, a mm. cool visual, you know, at least, um, you know, it helps alleviate some of the, like, dullness of, you know, the movie so far. I mean, it is pretty dull at this point, but we're not even at peak dullness, like... The, oh, yeah. most of the last half is is like sleep inducing i the, if you want a cure for insomnia exorcist 2 the Her- heretic is uh, the movie for you this convinces them that that pazuzu is still attached to her that deep down it's still in there and uh, and i think he goes away and comes back like i th- like honestly like, going through this movie in order is going to be a chore to try and do because a lot of it's blown together but there's a scene kind of like a symbiote <laughs> there's a scene also in the same location in, in the uh the medical like hospital research facility whatever it is um where hostile shut up where <laughs> uh reagan draws father lamont but puts like flames around him and then within and this immediately he immediately looks and goes this feels important i sense flames and he immediately like f- just walks with a purpose, and Tuscan follows him. Like, Doctor Tuscan follows him around, and they find a fire that started in like the basement area in a box, and he tries to put it out. And somehow it spreads around him, so that when Tuscan looks over at him after like phoning for help, he's got flames behind him, and it looks just like the uh, the drawing that the Reagan drew. Um, Explain that. I don't think I will. <laughs> I just, I just, it just feels. Ca- because after this, he's just kind of talking to her, and is this is this after, like, Reagan cures the girl of autism? I thought that was later uh, in that, the movie, but... I, I think I that might know. be later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That might be later. Um, but basically, he said... He, so, uh, this is where I'll just explain the, the broad concept of the movie, and what he's ultimately going to be investigating and finding out, because it's... it's like, if we just do it bit by bit, I'm just going to get confused as to the order of how they explained this. So... Father Merrin from the first movie, we find out via really weird, awkward flashbacks. And when I say awkward flashbacks, I mean... This is probably just before the fire bit, actually. Um, Father Lamont syncs up with Reagan with this hypnosis device and effectively sees flashbacks of Father Merrin in Reagan's mind, which is kind of <laughs> weird. Why are they there? I mean, yeah. I guess because it's also Pazuzu's memories, but parts of it aren't Pazuzu's memories, but whatever. Um, he sees that in the past, Father Merrin, when he was younger, encountered Pazuzu when he was working in Ethiopia, and there was locusts 
And the locusts were also something Pazuzu was doing, because Pazuzu does other things in this movie, not just possess people. <laughs> That's important <laughs> to know. And Father Marin helped this young Ethiopian uh, boy who grows up to be uh, James Earl Jones, as we see later. But he was possessed with Pazuzu as well. And Father Marin did an exorcism on this boy in this really sacred holy temple that's really awkwardly up this like mountain that you have to climb up like this crevice between two bits of rock and it's very like you know it's like a journey it's like an epic journey just getting to this like holy temple and that's where he did the exorcism and what we find out is that this this young boy had healing telepathic and healing properties and throughout the film we also find out that reagan has telepathic and healing properties and Whoa. what this movie's getting at is that Pazuzu possessed Reagan intentionally, much like this boy, because it wanted to corrupt them and make them evil before they unlocked all of their abilities, because they're actually new types of human that are that exist and are going to keep coming to fight evil and save the world. <laughs> well, you know what that tells me. What's that? Tells me, tells me that Pazuzu is kind of a jerk. <laughs> so, uh, he also explains that his father Marin believed that psychic these like new psychic people will be the first soldiers in this new war, and that eventually everyone will be telepathic and we'll all just connect to like a hive mind. <laughs> and I'm like, what the? F- I want to swear so bad. What the hell is this movie? What what are these crazy oh. ideas? Like based on the first Exorcist movie, how did you get to all of this? <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, human possession, <laughs> new humans, uh, it works. That almost sounded like new mutants, <laughs> which is honestly kind of what they are. They're like mutants. It's not, it's not there, there's a lot of X, X-Men vibes. But they're, they're like biblical X-Men because it's the, they're, yeah. they're, they're the new soldiers of God to, to fight the battles <laughs> against the demons. And so, so Reagan's like a chosen one, much like James Earl Jones was uh, as a yeah. kid. And that she can fight back against Pazuzu, which is essentially what happens by the end of the movie. And <laughs> it's like, look, I'm not going to say there's not some interesting concepts in everything I just sure. said. And that probably sounded quite interesting, if not good, when I just said it out loud like that. Maybe not as a sequ- Exorcist of the Sequel. Sorry, a sequel to The Exorcist. <laughs> the sequel does need an Exorcist, I suppose. I'll say that. I didn't see anything that you know, said this is the case, but this really feels like one of those movies where they just took a totally unrelated script mm. and was like, oh, hey, um, uh, you remember that, that movie about, like, demons versus, like, new humans or whatever? Like, yeah, can we just rewrite that and uh, throw in that little girl from The Exorcist and <laughs> call it a day? But- yeah, because, like... Lamont keeps like talking as if Reagan's in danger, and she never actually seems to be in danger. And yeah, this, he's kind of proven at this point that Reagan is still connected to Pazuzu, but it never really feels like there's any immediate threat in the movie. Which is the first thing I said is that that's the big problem with this is that it feels like he's going off and doing all this stuff, and he's always talking very intensely, and he's saying insane things to people who don't know anything about this. He's, he's explaining, he explains it to people when he's trying to, like, he's on the journey to find uh, James Earl Jones's character, um, Kokumo, that's his name. He's trying to find, find Kokumo to learn how he was able to defeat Pazuzu. And he's just telling people that he runs into that he 
he came here before he flew on the wings of a demon and saw this place <laughs> because that's effectively what happened he he like saw it like pazuzu and at one point when this happens pazuzu actually straight up talking to lamont like when lamont's mm-hmm. connected to reagan pazuzu starts talking to him and showing him things it's and sad. we and we get these like shots of him flying through the sky <laughs> and like going to this place in Ethiopia. Wee! <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> you know, like the lo- locust cam. <laughs> <laughs> the locust cam. <laughs> and believe me when I tell you that all of this, despite how crazy this all sounds, it's all painfully dull and boring to actually watch. That's that's like the big crime of it is like a movie with. <laughs> this crazy of ideas should be far more entertaining like i i i don't know it's almost uh you know uh it's almost like a feat that they're able to make it like this dull and boring while having like this insane of a plot it's it's, i think it's just all the scenes are so slow paced and slow moving and then there's all the weird abstract elements that just kind of drag on and just don't really make a whole lot of sense like, for example, before uh, Lamont connects up with Reagan, Reagan has a dream on her own, right? She has, She's, like, in bed, and she's, like, living in this, like, apartment somewhere up in a skyscraper in New York. And she has this dream where you actually hear Pazuzu say, we're going to go and find something, Reagan. I can't even remember what the exact line is, but you hear, you hear Pazuzu say something to her. And then she has the flying cam in her dream, and she sees like the locust, and she sees some glimpses of like w- what we're going to see later when Lamont sees stuff through her. Um, but she sleepwalks onto the balcony, and there's like there's this scene where she's like teetering at the edge of the balcony, and it's like she's almost going to fall over. But then when the you know the the nanny character, she's not really a nanny anymore because Reagan's more grown up, but like she's living with her, and you know Sharon, I think her name is, she comes out thinking that she's in trouble, and she's just sort of standing there like feeding the birds that are on the balcony but like all of this takes like a good like three minutes and it just feels like nothing but abstract nonsense and doesn't really contribute much to anything so it's just lots of things like that in fact while we're on this scene so she goes to the edge of the balcony and is almost like falling off because she's right at the edge her toes are like over the edge of the 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 edge of the balcony did, did you notice, like, the design of, like, the barricade on this balcony? Like, they're up, like, at least 20 or 30 stories because, you know, when you're looking out the window, you can see all the skyline and they're, they're up really high in New York. And there's, like, gaps in the balcony just to make it look like it's got a design. And I'm like, this is the, the most stupid, unsafe thing I've ever seen in my life. What, what, what idiot didn't just, thought, like, just... If, do a do the barricade, do the banister all the way around mm-hmm. so that no one trips and falls to their death. <laughs> you think that'd at least be like the safety requirement or something? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I started to wonder: is this just like how they designed the set, and mm-hmm. it's just like a movie thing, or, or is it no, like they found a real location and then they just duplicated mm-hmm. it for like the parts where they have to like you know have her like be dangerously close to the edge and stuff? I don't yeah. know, but. Like, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Maybe it's the sort of thing you couldn't get away with now. And this was like, oh, in the 70s, healthy and safety wasn't... Uh... But even if I was, like, choosing to move into a place and it was up high, I probably wouldn't pick, a like, an apartment up that high anyway because I don't really like the idea of living up super high. But, but if I did, I would certainly not take one that doesn't have, like, a safety banister around all of the balcony. Yeah, especially if you have, like... 
obviously you know like you said she's older but like you know if you have like kids or anything oh around. for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, or you're known to sleepwalk so i i just i i am i i i'm left baffled uh, repeatedly mm-hmm. um and you know tuscan doesn't really want this to go any further the doctor doesn't want to go any further but reagan speaks to the father uh to, to lamont um they go to the they meet up at the museum because like some of what she saw in her vision kind of matches stuff at the museum and he's like i'm going to go to africa and find this guy <laughs> and when i come back i'll tell you how we can defeat pazuzu together <laughs> but he's so intense because uh, i mentioned he's, he's telling people on his journey like he, Ned Beatty's in this movie, which I guess makes sense because he was in Deliverance. So maybe the director just like, hey, come on, mm. have a small part. But he's like a pilot in this and he's like flying him to, uh, you know, this, this where this temple is in Ethiopia. And he just turns to Ned Beatty and says, hey, yeah, I, I flew here before on the wings of a demon. Like, why do you keep saying this to everyone you meet you sound like a crazy man like even though you know what you mean it's, it's technically true and we understand that as the audience no one else is that what and i don't even like because it does this whole abstract thing where he, there's like there's like a good 15 minutes of him like searching and going through crowds and it's just all fluff and he eventually gets somewhere where he finds uh james earl jones's character kakumo and He's in like. What like someone should do is they should just like take that scene of him being like, uh, "I flew here on the wings of the demon," and then just like cut to like, I don't know, like one of those like reaction shots of like Jim from the office. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but he finally finds James L. Jones, and he's all tribal. Darth Vader. And he's got this, you know, headdress on and all that. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Well, if you want to come speak to me, you're going to have to, cr- you know, prove your faith and cross over this." Uh, this like spiky floor and like he's in his bare feet and he goes to step in and he falls over into it but then when he lands on the floor it cuts to a normal floor and it turns out james earl jones's character is actually a scientist and they're in a lab Mm -hmm. and i'm like well what what obviously what did lamont see when he was coming in here did he was he hallucinating (laughs) the whole time was this just like i don't i I don't understand (laughs) because um. <laughs> then the scene just continues and james l jones uh like explains the locusts that he does he deals with and that they're making this like uh docile like mother locust who'll calm the rest of the locusts down to stop the, the the you know to make them all friendly effectively uh which is basically what reagan does at the end by you know she, she's able to calm demonic presence at the end or so I, I don't know okay i'm trying to make sense of it uh i'm trying to think of like i don't know like one of those tv shows where like the character has like a really overactive imagination and he always has those like these dream sequences and then other characters always have to be like hey hello earth to you know, whoever mm. uh, maybe maybe that's what's going on with the pre-series just like gets lost in his own little world sometimes and has to remember oh yeah i'm i'm actually just in a hospital He's comically intense, like, because he, because mm-hmm. he, Joe, Joe, this movie has actually, it has the scene, you know, in every cop movie, like, they can't solve the case until they get taken off the force. Yeah. He basically has this scene, he goes to his superior, right, his superior mm-hmm. priest, 
And he's like, I need to fly to Africa. Um, I need to go there. The evil's real. I saw I saw it in a vision. I saw Father Merrin's death in a vision. And he says uh, that with... Damn it, sh- Lamont, you're a loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> he says it with the most straight face. And he's like, okay, you know what? You're off You're off duty until Father notice. You know, take some time off and collect your thoughts. You need prayer in your life. <laughs> Turn in your collar. <laughs> that, that's, that's basically the scene. <laughs> And then the next time we see him, he doesn't have his collar on anymore, but he's still investigating Pazuzu. <laughs> and we see him making the same climb to get to the temple and whatever mm. else. I, I, the, the whole thing is wacky as shit. And the, in the last half hour of the movie, I can barely explain. Like, he, he goes to... So, actually, when he's in Africa, Reagan gets a little ill. Like, stuff finally starts happening that makes it seem like there might be a threat. Because... When he gets hit with a rock, she starts to feel ill. <laughs> she's like dancing on stage, which I, I guess she does that. Maybe it's mentioned like once or twice in the movie that she's doing like a, a, a show or something. But she, she's singing and dancing on stage, and she gets she gets, starts to become ill. She ends up in a hospital bed at the uh, you know this fancy hospital that she's been at. Like when the father gets back, they they, they sync up to the machine again. And he ends up... Does he even sync up to the machine? He just goes into a trance. He just becomes mm-hmm. almost possessed on his own. Is this like when they... I don't know, decide like they need to go like back to the like house or whatever? I mean, <laughs> and then... yeah, he does. He, he, that's, he In his trance, he starts just walking to like the bus station and they get on a bus mm-hmm. or a train or whatever to, to, to go back to Washington to go back to the house that she was possessed in. And we get this journey with them, and he's just kind of in this weird trance the whole time. Uh, and ultimately, when they get there, like he's trying to save Reagan, uh, but then starts to strangle her because, like the like demonic version of Reagan appears, like a doppelganger <laughs> appears, and Evil tries Reagan. to. I mean, yeah, it ties into the whole heretic idea that tries to like lure him to the dark side and says, "No, choose this mm-hmm. side because you could, you can, you know, we can give you whatever." Blah blah blah. Um, and well, this is like when she's like kind of trying to like seduce him too, like the evil one is, yeah, yeah. Which is like I, I'm not sure like how old like she's like she was when they filmed this, but it, it felt very icky. I was like, I don't know, maybe I just used to her like feeling like a young girl from the first one or whatever. But I, but I was still like, yeah, this is gross. <laughs> I'm just trying to see where where her birthday is. Fifty uh, nine. She would have been. She would have been 18 when it came out, so she may have been 17 when they shot it. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's still, like, <laughs> pretty young. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It felt gross. I, mean, I think the, the lack of a build-up to this and the lack of, like, a serious threat makes this all feel a bit weird. But I think what really makes it feel over-the-top and silly is that while this is all happening, this battle for Reagan's souls happening in the bedroom, <laughs> like, the house starts breaking apart as if, like, you know, like the, the walls start splitting into... Uh, and we've not even mentioned the fact that the the, the therapist lady and the nanny have, fo- have followed them here, <laughs> but then, like, you know, Pazuzu's strength is, like, so powerful now that it's affecting things outside, and it makes the car, uh, the taxi cab they're in, crash. The driver dies, and then immediately the nanny is kind of half-possessed and just stands there, <laughs> smiling, kind of, and then lets herself get set in fire by the the, the, the fuel from the car that's leaking. Mm-hmm. It just stands there burning. I do think, I mean, well, the car crash stuff is just weird. I, I didn't really like uh, this part of it, but, um, like, as a visual, like, I did think it looked cool when, like, the house is, like, 
crumbling apart and coming down and it's kind of just like you know like the like just kind of leaving like just like the bed there and stuff like i i, I thought it looked like cool but i mean yeah that i get like you'll probably say again like it's not what you want from the the exorcist sequel like i totally agree with that yeah but... it doesn't feel appropriate for yeah what, what you you know it, it feels too at least as like a visual i like thought it looked cool you know yeah it just feels too yeah. big and ridiculous it feels like mm-hmm. A completely different genre of movie all of a sudden where mm-hmm. they're they're doing all these big over the top like wacky things like we can't just do the same i mean obviously you wouldn't want to just do the same thing as the first one but that's not good enough anymore now it has to be the house is completely Bigger, crumbling and falling yeah. apart and whatever else and the end of the movie is basically just like the the doctor really just like i now accept everything that, that you know father lamont's been saying that you're special mm-hmm. reagan protect her father lamont and the end of the movie is just like follow Lamont and Reagan like running off into the night and leaving her there uh, before it goes to credits. The idea being that he's going off to like help her like keep developing her abilities so she can like fight. You know, or to put it in uh, a quote from another movie, so she can go kick arse for the Lord. <laughs> Very nice. It's a brain dead reference. You're welcome. Or dead alive in the U.S. Or, or dead alive, yes. It's got multiple titles. <laughs> Damn you, Peter Jackson. How dare you uh, make things complicated? Uh, still waiting for uh, a Peter Jackson 4K Blu-ray set they, they promised, like, years ago. It's super weird. I wonder if, like, did they think, like, oh, yeah, man, this movie's going to be big, and then we can do the third one, like... 30 years in the future it, when the it, war is raging on and like <laughs> it does feel like it was op- left open for a sequel doesn't it it feels like they want like the director whoever wanted this to be like a, for the first part in a, a bigger journey that, that was going to have like reagan be this like warrior <laughs> against the evil but i'm not even sure like what like is it even a horror movie at that point like if reagan is just like yeah, fighting back like this like yeah yeah it's weird in fact so we have to go back, we briefly mentioned it earlier, but we have to talk about the scene where Reagan cures uh, an autistic girl, or at the very least cures her, because uh, she's mute, the girl's mute, she doesn't speak, and Reagan seemingly talks to her telepathically at first, although to us it just looks normal, like normal speaking, but then it, be- it becomes clear that the girl actually is speaking back because she's mute, and she doesn't usually do that. So then when like Tuscan comes in, and then like this girl's mother's there, they start freaking out and the mother's like so happy and thrilled that her daughter's speaking. So like, I'm going to take her home to your father right now. Like he has to hear that she's speaking and it's like, Oh, she has this like divine ability. And I think at this point we've already heard about how James Earl Jones, when he was younger, had like healing abilities. So it's like, okay, we're connecting the dots here. We're, we're getting the idea that she's also like that. Um, but immediately Dr. Tuscan's like, Oh, this is, this is maybe dangerous for you to, I mean, this seems like a good thing. But maybe this is dangerous. Maybe you could like cause damage if you just go and eat people's heads like this, which you know isn't necessarily an incorrect statement. But it, this scene just it struck me as really weird with how it was presented because it's like okay, Reagan just straight up has superpowers now, which mm-hmm. feels tonally <laughs> all over the place for The Exorcist. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's also just like handled like very like nonchalantly. Like it's not like you know they're like oh like this there's this girl we've been working with for like. Yeah, it's not like it's, like, set up early on in the movie and then no. it's a thing we keep coming back to and then, like, you know, she's been trying and now she finally was able to get it. It's like she just kind of randomly goes up to this girl and like, sup? And she's like, sup? And everyone's like, whoa, wait, what, what just happened? Yeah, like, because uh... <laughs> you could you could have made that, like, a little... Otherwise, yeah, twist, but 
like ha- have her talking to the girl and then like you, mm. you know and i've seen a lot of the stories do this type of thing but maybe maybe have her find out afterwards that that girl is actually mute and then have her realize wait a minute that conversation mm. was all in her head <gasps> you know wow but inst- in- instead the girl actually says to her i don't speak like she says that <laughs> when she's speaking and it's it just it feels kind of like okay it's sometimes like how you present the information is the most important part and i i feel like the the presentation of this information just kind of like deflated any kind of like big impact the scene could have had um yeah and and there's far too much of like just like cutting or like fading to like images of flying through the sky or uh you know watching locusts fly around in some cases a really comically like big locust that's you're you're looking at yeah. uh or or just cut to like a tribe in africa like chanting <laughs> or, or or doing you know just there's a lot of that especially when he's like on his when the, the father's actually traveling there like i swear there's like 20 minutes of just sheer and utter like skippable nonsense it's, it's just absolutely yeah you know like they they make you feel like it's this big trek, but honestly, it, it, all it does is like pad out the movie, and it doesn't. Nothing of value is really added because of it. Like once you yeah. find out he's actually just working at a lab, it's like okay, what was that trek then? What, what did he <laughs> did he actually have to climb up climb up this mountain to get there, or was that just like part of the hallucination or whatever is going on? Uh, all great questions. <laughs> yeah, and maybe find you could... out in the um, director's cut. <laughs> Oh god, we're not watching any other versions. Of this <laughs> talking about. And it also kind of feels like the, you know, like the first movie had uh, the the, you know, the main priest who was struggling with his faith. You know, he was having a crisis of faith, and he, he was wasn't sure if he still believed anymore. And then by the end, obviously, he does, and that's how he ultimately is able to fight Pazuzu and win. Uh, this movie, we have this character who isn't necessarily struggling with faith, but it doesn't feel like he's worthy of doing anything because he failed to save the girl at the start of the movie. Um, I feel like it's very similar to like a crisis of faith, though, where he doesn't think he's like of value. I feel like though in this one, he just kind of once he like realizes that Reagan needs help or he thinks that Reagan needs help, he just kind of forgets the whole worldly or not thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know. I, I felt like that yeah. that part of it kind of got left behind, and then it kind of it mm. became more about him possibly being tempted by the dark side as he was. You know, on his journey yeah. trying to like save her and try to figure out a way to fight Pazuzu. Uh, it didn't really feel like he had much of an arc. <laughs> There's a very clear, like, you know, emotional journey, that, like, you know, the priest goes through in the first one. Like, mm. yeah, this one is just, it's all kind of all over the place. Not to mention, like, <laughs> you know, in the first movie, the demon feels like this unstoppable force that we don't sure, understand. And yeah. this one, it's like, ah, uh, you know, he was already beaten once like 20 25 years ago or whatever and now he's been beaten again with reagan <laughs> and reagan's got super like everything about it just feels like you're 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 taking all of the mystique and the threatening nature of pazuzu away because now he's just a villain who talks shit you know he talks shit at <laughs> the heroes but like, he's, he's all bark and no bite whereas in the first movie he felt intimidating he felt like oh there's this mystical force and because we don't fully understand it it's creepy and we feel like we have no way to fight it but this movie is just like no there is ways to fight it like there's a whole like new race of people that are being born with superpowers who can fight it yeah you just gotta be born better than other people i don't know if i put it that way but yeah (laughs) uh 
<laughs> Which is not to say that I don't like. The, uh, I, I'm not against adding mythology. And I'm not against uh, like going down some of these paths. I just don't think it works for The Exorcist. I think The Exorcist mm-hmm. is such a a one and done story that it really should never have had it's a sequel. Very... <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, I mean, you know, it's very self-contained. Uh, I mean, and also like, I mean, you know, based on what you believe or whatever. But you know, technically, like. You know, the first one was based on a book that's supposedly supposed to be based on a true story. Obviously, you know, that depends on what you believe and everything. But still, uh, you know, usually stuff that's based on a true story doesn't have sequels. Uh, I don't know if that's true anymore. I feel like there's probably a time when that was true. I I think mm-hmm. there's been enough true stories that have had sequels that it's probably but they're not, not that rare. Well, <laughs> But they shouldn't. They so. shouldn't. No, I agree. They shouldn't. <laughs> but or at the very least, you know that the all right. Well, the sequel is not going to be a true story. In yes. most cases, I assume. <laughs> I'm fairly sure that's the case here as well, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if 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 it, if I did find out that like oh no, this one is actually based on a true story too, I'd be like all right, I got to know more about this. <laughs> true. The only true story that this may be based on is someone taking a shit ton of LSD and thinking they're flying to africa and like fighting uh demons with the help of a leopard or something like Like, i i really can't get across just how slow moving most of this movie feels like and i think part of it is that because reagan doesn't really have much of a story and that she's always present and she's always kind of like oh the demon's connected to her she doesn't really have a story on her own. It's following Father Lamont instead. And he's so one-note in how he is that he, he, you know, right from the get-go, he's very intense. He's always taking things very seriously. The first time he talks to Dr. Tuscan, he's like really kind of, you know, stern about what he's there for and how important it is. It, you know, if anything, it feels like he should come in just kind of like, okay, I'm here to investigate this. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think I'm going to find anything. Like, have him, like, take it more seriously as it goes on, but he's already at 11, but, but before he even sees anything. it It's kind of weird, and, yeah, like, it, I... It kind of has an arc, but fundamentally, I, I think the movie... What's the word it I'm sucks. looking for? <laughs> it does suck. Uh, but the movie, uh... Oh, God, what do you call it when you, like... Put, put things in front of something to... Obscure. No. Mm. the movie yeah obscures that's what that's, that's the word i'm looking for mm. the movie obscures it so much with with how it tells the story that it, it, it never really i don't think you ever really connect with it and i think oh no not at all like i had to try really hard to pay attention to a lot of this movie and like mm. i said earlier on i was constantly going back a minute to like rehear scenes to re like just make sure i got what it was saying in the moment because it is it is like it's so easy to let your mind wander when this one is is playing because because it just it does not keep your attention at all. And I remember feeling that way the first time I watched this. So the first time I watched this, I probably did drift my intention and I probably didn't like take all of it in. This time I did take all of it in, and I I don't really feel any better about it. If anything, I'm more mad at it. I'll be honest with you. I really have to pee. Do you wanna do you wanna take a break or or do you just wanna wrap it up right now? I mean, I think we were getting to... I mean, unless there's other stuff you want to talk about. Uh, unless it's about how bad I have to go to the bathroom. No. 
Alright then, I guess we'll rate The Exorcist 2 Heretic. Tim, what do you want to give the movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't go high at all. I, I, I guess I'll give it a 2. Um, just, you know, the bit, the, the and, and that's just because, to me, there's like, some, <laughs> like, interesting ideas that it's at least kind of interesting to maybe think about and wonder what they were thinking when they made it and um there's like a, a cool a few cool visuals here and there but i mean that's really a, 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 otherwise the movie is just such a stinker it's, it's so boring uh, there's no like like you know the, the first one i don't know just has such like a, a creepy atmosphere there's like nothing interesting or creepy uh about this at all it's uh a lot of times you're, you're it feels like you're getting whiplash because it's going from like so many different things to another like uh like th there's so many uh, like plot lines you could easily you know um ex you know uh do an exorcism on it and get it out of there uh but um yeah no i mean <laughs> it, uh, it, it sucks again because it is so kind of strange and off the beaten path that i almost do wish i could kind of champion it because that you know it, it's sometimes it's nice when they do that but uh i mean despite how kind of weird and bizarre the, a lot of the storyline is it's not fun or wacky or interesting to watch at all so it's yeah I mean, now that we've done it for the show i don't know if i'll ever really want to watch it again i i agree i agree so uh i i'm going with a two as well i think two is the the number it, you know, it gets a two because at least there's some technical proficiency and you know James Earl Jones is always nice to see. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's basically yeah, That's all I've got for you. Um, do you know that, that hypnosis machine they used? It had this like weird ringing noise, and I felt like there was a couple of times where it would be in like a really intense like dream sequence where they're seeing demonic stuff or flashbacks, and then it would cut to them waking up with a hypnosis device, and it would do this like sort of like ringing, and it was like, oh my, like what are you doing, movie? It's like you're trying to ruin any attempt at your atmosphere so uh but yeah, everything that's already been said i it's it's dull and meandering and despite the fact that it should sound like it's at least interesting it, it somehow makes it, it it ruins all of it with just <laughs> dour characters dour direction um yeah so there you go uh, exodus to the heretic cannot recommend it so uh, obviously, we will be back in the near future with Exorcist 3, which does have a lot more um, of a cult status. People do quite like the third one, so um, we'll get into it. Uh, Tim's signaling because he wants to go pee. <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up. All right, so if you want to support all the content, you can head over to patreon.com slash TV and support us uh, for any amount. But obviously, the $3 tier, you get access to all the, the past bonus episodes uh, $5 to get access to all the uh, even more streams episodes. They're on break just now, but there's a back catalogue. You get bonuses for other shows that are on the <laughs> Mail Fuzz movies, uh, like the Atomic Cinema Experiment and the Collector's Cup. Uh, so please do that. You can also, of course, support us for free by liking, subscribing, and dinging the bell for notifications and sharing us out on social media or wherever. You can get us on Twitter, at Screams Midnight. And just before I say the final goodbye, I'll thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordner, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. Uh, thank you to everyone who supports us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies, and we will see you next time. <laughs>